What I, what I titled today's study is Do Be Prudent, But Do Not Be Afraid. And it's so important for us. You know, they say the most repeated command in the Bible is do not be afraid. Do not fear. Um, some say it's a command that's found 365 times in the Bible. They say that it's one for every day of the year. And to be honest, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's true. I've heard others say the total amount is more around 200, but regardless of the exact number, there's no doubt that God issues this command repeatedly throughout the scriptures. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not let your heart be troubled. And I know the reason God says that is because, you know, he knows our, our frailty. He, he knows our tendency. He knows our weaknesses. He knows the brokenness and even the wickedness of this world. God knows there will be trying times of temptation when we're torn, you know, between truly trusting him who knows the best for us and at the same time fearing the worst for us. You know, what we're going through today, what our world is going through today, this virus, uh, we got to be honest, and I have to be honest, and I'm a pastor, I love the Lord, and, I, and I'm reading his word. Every once in a while, I get a little, a little tinge of fear in me, you know, and it, it can tempt us to fear. You know, some fear that, you know, they're going to get sick, or they're going to suffer, or they're going to die. Others fear maybe the death of, of their loved ones. Some fear they may not have the food that they need or the things that they need. They're worried about provision or maybe they're worried about protection. You know, they, they say that not only the, are the lines long at Costco and Sam's, they're also long at the gun shops. And so there's a lot of fear that's striking our society. You know, now I'm not saying you, you can't have a gun. That's between you and God. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be prepared because I think we've always been taught huh, here in California that we should be prepared for the big one or an earthquake or some type of natural disaster. You know, the Bible does not say do not be prepared. But the Bible does say do not fear over and over and over again. And some might say, well, Manny, look what's going on. You know, this morning, 318,000 cases of COVID-19 worldwide, close to 14,000 deaths. What if that's me or one of my loved ones? 27,000 cases in the States, 47 have died here. And this is just the beginning. Our governor says that 20 million people in California will be struck with this disease. And so this is just the beginning but we got to know that God is on the throne and he knows the end from the beginning and everything in between. See, we think of numbers, but God thinks of names. And we need to know this. Um, I was looking at a study online and it was showing the coronavirus. And the reason they call it the coronavirus, most of you probably know, is if you were to look at it underneath a, a microscope, you would see it looks like a crown. And corona means crown. And so one of the things I want to encourage you in, and when you hear it, every time you hear it, remember who wears the crown. Christ. He is king. 
He is on the throne. And so I, I pray that we would not be afraid. But another thing I think that for us as a church, in all reality, when we look at this, we also have to think of another thing regarding that crown, and that is that the king is coming. You know, I, I think about how these are the signs of the times. I think about how what's going on right now is just a little taste of what will take place during the tribulation period. I think about how the Bible says in Matthew 24, 7, that when these things increase in intensity and frequency, Jesus said, look up because I'm, I'm coming soon. And so for us as a church, for us as a society, for us as a people, to see what's going on all around the world and not ponder the thought that Jesus might be coming soon to be crowned as the king, to sit. The Bible talks about the tribulation period. There'll be seven years. First, the rapture of the church. That can happen at any moment, how we need to be ready. God's going to take up his bride. Then seven years of tribulation, craziness, chaos like this. You think this is bad. That's nothing compared to what will happen during the tribulation period. I mean, imagine, I was thinking, imagine what would happen if there's no internet or no, you know, water, electricity, things like that, modes of communication. They say even now our internet is slowing down because so many people are on it. Our 5G is slowing down because so many people are, are on it. You know, cell phones, uh, they'll get bombarded. And, and so as a pastor, I, I, wanna, I want you to know that Jesus is the king, that Jesus wears the crown, that he's in control. I pray that would provide peace. But, but we also know that this is a sign of the times. And Jesus is coming to be crowned as, as the rightful king that he is and to rule from Jerusalem. And so not only uh, should we have peace, but we, ought, we should also be pure and pardoned by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way we're going to be ready. You know, if, if you don't know the Lord, he loves you. He died for you. Give your life to him. We can't play church. We can't be half-hearted. We have to be completely committed. Then we'll be ready. And then as a church, we have to surrender ourselves to him. Because I know what, when Jesus is coming, I want to be doing his will. And so we're living in those times. You know, I was thinking about how is you're, you have a tendency to get busy. You have a tendency to do so many other things. And it's like, Manny, you're a pastor. You should be on your face. You should be on your knees. You should be seeking me more than you ever have in your whole life. You got to make sure you're in the Word. You have to make sure... You're in fellowship with, with your God and, and your family and thinking of my wife and, and you know, just how I, I need to be that type of husband or, or that type of dad. You know, I was thinking, because I've been reading in my personal devotions, I've been reading about when God judged Israel and how God, you know, took him away in, in AD um, 722 B.C., the Assyrians, and then 586 I just got done reading about how he took him away. And there were two things that stood out when you read the last chapters of 2 Kings. Number one, uh, the, the shedding of innocent blood. The shedding of innocent blood. 
And when I think of the shedding of innocent blood, I think of abortion. When you read those last chapters in, in 2 Kings, you'll see that they were offering their children to Molech. They were letting their children be passed through the fire. And, and then the second thing you read there is the, perver the sexual perversity. And that is in reference to homosexuality. And so, without a doubt, the Lord came. Those were signs of his judgment. Those are signs that things are getting close to the end. But I, but I need to also say this, that when Jesus came, the worst sin was the hypocrisy of the religious leaders. And so, you know, when I was thinking, okay, Lord, it looks like you're coming, and I, don't, I know our world is broken, and sin is the cause of sickness, um, and so it just happens. I'm not saying that you struck us with lightning. But, but maybe there is a sign of, of aspects of, of judgment. Like he took, you know, Israel and Judah and he dealt with them. And so, Lord, I'm not going to be here saying, well, it's all their fault because of what the world is doing. They're so bad. I can't. I have to look at my own heart and say, Lord, when you came, the religious leaders were not right. And so, Lord, what I think we should do, I think what we should all do is examine our own life. Am I walking in holiness and purity? You know, and, and uh, if not, then let's mend our ways. Because the Bible says in Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then God said, I will hear their prayers and I will heal their land. And so I, I just, when I look at this, I, I pray we would learn, you know, God help us in the midst of what's going on to, to be prudent, but to not be afraid. And Lord, help us to be ready. You know, why not, Manny? You're like, well, why, why shouldn't I be afraid with everything that's going on? Uh, well, let me have you turn to Matthew 10, if you would. Matthew 10, in verse 28 through 31. Why not be afraid? Well, number one, because God tells you not to. So if you are, you're being disobedient to the most uh, repeated command in the Bible. But, but another thing to consider is the one who's on the throne loves you. The one who's on the throne loves you. Look what we read here in Matthew 10 and verse 28. And, and do not fear, Jesus said, those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in, in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. You know, when you look at this passage right here, you see that how God is in complete control. I, I, I just trip out on that thought that not a single sparrow falls to the ground unless the Lord allows it. And if that's the way it is with the sparrows, imagine how it is with you. 
as Christians, as people made in the image of God, nothing can touch us apart from his will. And so Jesus said, don't be afraid. I know how many hairs you have. I know how many tears you've cried. You know, through this whole thing, you know, I'm, I'm already getting older now. And I was thinking, hey, you know, they say that this thing, uh, it, it, the mortality rate is twice as much with men as it is with women. And just, you know, you, you start thinking about stuff like that. And so, to be honest, like I'm trying to get my rest. I'm trying to drink my water, my fluids. Uh, I heard some uh, suggestions. They say that you should have some hot water, maybe with a couple of slices of lemon in there. Uh, just any type of hot fluid they say is good to drink. I've never uh, been one to take vitamins. Now I'm taking vitamins. I want to build my robust uh, immune system. I want to make it strong. Um, going on walks, uh, just kind of like doing everything I, I guess I can in a practical sense to be prudent. You know, we're trying to keep our social distancing. And, uh, and so there's nothing wrong with that, you guys. And I encourage you to do that. You know, we don't want to tempt God. And we always go back to that Proverb 21:31. the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. So let's do our part. And I've been really trying to tell my kids and tell my wife to protect them. Hey, did you have an orange today? I'm, I don't know. I think they say doubling up on vitamin C helps. I don't know. You know, are you getting your rest? Are you drinking your water? I'm trying my best to take care of them too. But at the end of the day, the, 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 the thing that, that we need to hold on to is that God is sovereign. And, and not a single sparrow falls to the ground apart from his will. So you're saying, Manny, don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid. And the Lord tells us why. He doesn't say just say, don't be afraid, although that's a command in and of itself. He says, don't be afraid, number one, because I'm on the throne and I love you. The second thing we read in, in my notes, it says right here that the one on the throne is with you. And so you don't have to be afraid because the one on the throne is complete control. The one who wears the, the corona, the crown, he loves you. And number two, he's with you. And there's a few passages. If you would, turn to Isaiah 41. In verse 10. This is a, a beautiful passage. This one right here is to guard your life. And, and really, it's for the nation of Israel. You know, the nation of Israel was threatened many times. The enemy tried to take them down, to destroy them, to annihilate them throughout their history. But they still stand. And this passage kind of has to do with that. And it says in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I mean, you know, just when you read the scriptures, this is probably one of the most common reasons God says don't be afraid. Fear not, he says, because I'm with you. And the context there, again, like I said, is God saying, I will sustain you. I will protect you. The enemy is going to try to destroy you as a nation, Israel. But God says, that's not going to happen. Why? Because I'm with you. 
And we need to have that understanding. We need to have that in our hearts. The, the second I am with you is found in Genesis 26. If you want to go there. In verse 24. Notice what we read here. It says, And the Lord appeared to him, speaking of Isaac, and he, he appeared to him the same night, and he, and he said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. And, and, and the first I am with you is basically saying, you're, you're going to survive. You're going to be okay. No one can touch you. No one can take your life. You don't have to be afraid because I'm with you. I will protect your life. The second one right here, do not be afraid, is more in the context that I will fulfill your life. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, plans for their life. And in this case, what we find is that God says, I have plans for you. And I know a lot of times... You know, we look to our future and, and we're afraid. We don't know what's going to happen. And, and what we find right here is God is just saying, you don't have to be afraid. He's telling Isaac, because I have this future planned for you and no one or nothing can thwart that. The, the next one I'd like you to turn to is Acts chapter 18. And we read in verse 9, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. Here it is again, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. You know, what we find here, God will be with you. You, you can run, and I know some of you guys out there, you've been running from God. He runs faster than you. He will chase you down. He's with you. You don't have to be afraid of the condemnation. You don't have to be afraid uh, of those lies of the enemy. You don't have to be afraid when you place your faith in Jesus Christ. He says, I'm with you to protect your life. I'm with you to fill your life. And I'm with you so that you can share the words of life. And this is what I, I encourage you guys, because I know that right now, you know, things are crazy and you're wondering, you know, what's going to happen. And we've been talking about this and I want to reiterate this over and over again. Don't indulge in the news. Find out what's going on. Get your, uh, your, your sources that you know are solid. Be informed, but don't indulge in it. Uh, indulge in the Lord. Be in the word like never before. Be on your knees, be on your face, please. Like never before, pray for this world. Pray for your church. Pray for your family. Pray. But as we're going through this, this right here is an opportunity for us to share the Lord with people. People need it. People need to have that hope. They, they need to know that God loves them. They need to know the gospel. And a lot of times the difference between that person going to heaven or hell is someone willing to stand in the gap, someone who's not afraid. You know, the Bible talks about how one time God was looking throughout the whole earth, looking for someone to stand in the gap, and he couldn't find anybody. 
Let that be us in these days that we're living in. What are the reasons that we don't share the Lord with people? Maybe because we're too busy, but maybe because we're afraid. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of other things. And that's why here, when Paul was in Corinth, think about it, there's probably that going on in his heart. Of all people, Paul, you would never think that he would ever be afraid. But the Lord wouldn't have told him that if it wasn't happening. Same thing, Paul, to Timothy. And so the Lord here, he says, Hey, Paul, don't be afraid. Speak, my son. Don't keep silent, for I am with you. And God said he would protect him. And that's a promise that all of us have. You know, I'm afraid that our fear might paralyze us at this point of history and where we see that that's exactly the opposite of what God wants to happen. You know, what's the opposite of fear? You know, what's the positive aspect? And some might say, well, it's courage. And I think there might be something to it. Like, you know, if you have fear, you have a guy who's fearful and then the one who's courageous. But I think courage is more just the, the facing your fear. You know, I think courage is not always the absence of fears per se. I think it's facing it. It's, it's conquering it, right? But to me, I think in, in one sense, if I had to say, I'd say the opposite of fear is peace. That when we know God loves us, that God's on the throne, that God is with us, that no matter what we're going through, and we are facing things that we have never faced, we never thought we would face. And this is going to hit home, and it's going to get worse. And little by little, unless the Lord divinely intervenes, it's going to hit closer and closer. And the temptation to fear is going to get stronger and stronger. And I'm telling you this, I don't care who you are, it doesn't matter how you know, buff of a guy you know, you think you are, the, 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 the courage that we need is spiritual courage. It's not just you, the way you're wired. Because this is a spiritual battle. And so what we find is that God will give us this power by giving us this peace. You know, you guys heard that, that saying, fear knocked at the door and faith answered. And there is no one there. You know, only he who can say, the Lord is the strength of my life, can say, of whom shall I be afraid? Is the Lord the strength of your life? Are we seeking him the way that we should? If it hasn't happened now, I mean, what's it going to take? I pray that now, as we're stirred up, that we would seek him. You know, it's been really cool on Monday nights. We've been getting together and, and praying. I, I encourage you to do that. I mean, n- you know, probably every day, but maybe you can set Monday nights aside and say, hey, let's pray. You know, they say that stay safe at home. I say pray safe at home, you know. This is what we need to do. Because if we find ourselves as a fear-based people, then we will not be able to do what God calls us to do. So, the, you know, my, my encouragement to you is to, to be prudent. You know, do be prudent. But do not be afraid. 
And you say, well, why not? Well, number one, because the one on the throne loves you. Number two, because the one on the throne is with you. Number three, because it robs you of your peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he loves you. You know, I, I think about how when our eyes are on the Lord, we can walk on water. I read this quote. It's kind of cool. It says, The wise man in the storm prays to God, not for safety necessarily from danger, but deliverance from fear. It is the storm within which endangers him, not the storm without. And and what that means is that when you're in this mode and you're in this battle, let's just say you're out there on the sea and you're a sailor and your boat and things are happening, you you can win this, you can, you know, conquer this, you can do this. But if you start freaking out, if you start being then fear-driven, then you lose the very capacity to stay afloat. And that's why it's so important. This is why we can't be afraid, because it robs us of our peace. And then, and then the last thing I want to share with you is over in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 25. Jesus says in verse 25 of Matthew 6, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They don't hoard it up, you know. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the food field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore... Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Here it is. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And that's the key. You know, as we put the Lord first, in our lives like never before then God he promises to provide everything and and what I, I I was going over this the other day look at verse 27 again which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature I was sharing this on Thursday night how that's always been a funny verse to me what is the Lord saying if you worry which of you by worrying can be 18 inches taller. That's the, the, the length. That's a cubit right here, the length of your arm. And, and it's kind of a funny thing. It's almost like the Lord is saying that if you didn't worry, you'd be taller. Think about it. I'd be 18 inches taller. Maybe be able to play the NBA or something, you know. Um, but but what, I, what we realize is the Lord not talking physical here. He's talking spiritual. 
And, and when you worry, you stunt your growth. But when you don't worry, when there's a peace, when there's this life that understands I'm in his hands, then what you're going to find is as you go through the trials, you won't just go through the trials like Nadine would say, you grow through the trials. And this is why God is allowing this. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot going on. But I know this for sure, that he wants us to grow through all this. And as we do, we don't want to miss this opportunity. This is a huge one. Wherever there's pain, there's always purpose. And the greater the pain, the greater the purpose. I don't know what God is going on right now, but I do know this, that he has great purposes. He wants his people to grow. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and if you were honest, you have not really grown the way that you should. Your prayer life has been nominal, casual, if anything. You haven't really been seeking the, the Lord and his word is hit and miss. You go to church sometimes, sometimes you don't. I mean, you're in and out and all these things. And God is saying, now this is a big one. This is an opportunity for us as a church to grow, to change, to love each other, to be that husband, to be that wife, to be that parent, to be that child, to be that friend, to be that servant. This should rock our world. This should change us. This should challenge us. This is what God wants to do to the church. But then, you know, for the world, you know, if there's anyone out there that, that doesn't know the Lord, if there's anyone out there that you don't know for sure if you were to die today that you'd go to heaven, you know, we want to share with you that, that message, how you can know without a shadow of a doubt that if anything were to ever happen to you, that you would be in heaven by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you. He died for you. They put him in a grave, in a tomb, but he rose again the third day and he conquered death. And this is what the Bible says. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. See, this is, this is what God wants to do in your life because he loves you and he died for you. All the sins you ever did, they were laid on him. So if you're out there and you've never really done that, I pray that right here, right now, you would. And the God of the universe will come into your life and he will set you free. And he will flood your heart with his love. It's a decision between you and God, but I pray that if that's you and you need him, that today you would make that step.